Welcome to Sexology, a podcast that untangles the science of sex and pleasure. And now, with this week's episode, your host, clinical psychologist, Dr. Nazanin Moali. Hello and welcome to episode 185 of Sexology Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Nazanin Moali. If you are a new listener or you're one of our listeners that haven't been downloaded the list of 101 way to spice things up in the bedroom, you can find the link on the free resource in the show notes. In this resource, I'm, I'm talking about ways that you can spice things up in the bedroom because we one of the number one complaints that I hear from my clients is that they feel bored in the bedroom and they don't know what are other sexual activities they can do to spice things up. So this is my gift to you. Today, we're going to talk about Madonna and whore complex. The more modern terminology for it is love and loss split. This is a psychological challenge that sometimes the long-term couples get stuck in and it's hard for them, at least one of the parties, or both of them to feel and see their partner, perceive them as a sexual being. They've been seeing them as a mother, as a domesticated person in a different lens, and it's hard for them to desire that person. So we're going to talk about how people get stuck in this dynamic, what are some of the contributing factors, and what can you do to change it? Our guest is Dr. Payman Raoufi. Dr. Raoufi California licensed clinical psychologist holds a doctoral and master's degree in clinical psychology. He works, he has his own private practice. He works at hospital, community mental health centers, and nursing home. He's a, a part of UNICEF, Relief International Human Rights Council. He's a board member in Los Angeles County Psychological Association. And he has a number of different accolades. And he's genuinely been one of the resources in our community in California. You can check his full bio in the show notes. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Dr. Payman Raoufi. Hello and welcome to another episode of Sexology Podcast. I am so excited and honored to have Dr. Raoufi on our show. Dr. Raoufi, welcome to our show. Hello. Great to be here. I am so excited for this conversation. I know that we talked, we did like media presentation at different places, and I'm always at awe of how knowledgeable and insightful you are when it comes to psychological matters and relational things. So today I thought it would be a real Really good opportunity for us to talk about one of the challenges that I see at it, and I would imagine you see in your practice when you're working with couples as well that some couples are struggling with kind of connecting and seeing their partner in a long-term relationship as a kind of erotic being and they kind of fall into a companion zone with their partner. I know that uh, historically we used to call that Madonna and whore complex. So please tell us more about that. Yes, it is a dichotomy that is a difference between when a man, usually it's about a man, but later I'm going to say that I also see uh, women doing this as well. But when men in a relationship, let's say they are married for years, they, um, I, this is actually a, a real example of a client that I had in my practice, that this man fell in love with his wife when they were at school and they uh, got married and they had such a wonderful 
sex life together. They enjoyed their company and so on. And then the wife got pregnant. And that was when the problem started because then this woman got into the role of the maternity to be the mother, uh, nurturing mother. And even the man was telling me that his wife started kind of treating him as well, like, like her child, one of the other children. And that was when actually they encountered some distance sexually. And, um, you know, the woman kind of was treating the children most of the time, taking care of them. Then the second child came and then the third child came and their uh, sexual relationship got distanced. And uh, that was the reason that they came to therapy because they didn't have the first, the, the, the relationship they had in first, you know, first few um, years, I would say of their relationship or getting married, the honeymoon phase was gone long time ago. So this is, this is the difference between seeing the woman as, as Madonna, as a virgin, as a nurturer, as someone that is going to take care of the children and we'd be a wonderful mother or a whore, which, you know, by definition is someone who is, you know, who is very uh, promiscuous and wants to explore sexuality and is going to do everything the man wants, make sure the man is quite satisfied and, and so on. So this dichotomy between these two is quite, quite clear in some of these relationships in these days. I would say some people, they do have complex, this as a complex, and I will explain that. However, it is not a psychological diagnosis, but we know that, uh, that Freud and uh, psychoanalytic view in psychology talks about this Madonna whore complex in a way that goes back into the childhood when the son had this sexual attraction to their mother and all of a sudden that mother became the nurturing and 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 the kind of mothery so this dichotomy to be honest you no know, um, psychoanalytics they say it started right there and I also was looking at this literature and I saw that there was also this notion that when uh, mothers uh, with all that wonderful mothery qualities in them, all of a sudden they might actually flip and be, you know, angry at their children. Why you didn't do this? Why you didn't do that? And so on and so forth. So this exactly splits right here that my wonderful, loving mother all of a sudden is this angry person that demands a lot of tasks from me. So that also could be one of the reasons that we could look into it. Well, I'm so glad that you brought up the case and the client's client that you were working with, the couple. And I see it a mm-hmm. lot in my practice as well. And I feel sometimes people feel, okay, this is the default that, uh, you know, passion dies and then you get used to your partner. But as I, as you mentioned, that oftentimes I see it after the, uh, in the heterosexual couple, the female partner giving birth. And what an important point that you brought up that kind of almost a communication between couples instead of lovers to lovers become like Mm -hmm. a parent to a child. So even Mm -hmm. they're not even relating in that that kind of realm as well. And and I like that you said it's not a psychological problem. And again, many people are okay with having kind of like sexless or no sex relationship and marriages, but that doesn't need to be like that. It's not kind of 
mean, if you don't want that, there is a solution out of it. But you mentioned that part of it could have been stemmed from the childhood. Tell us where other, where is the kind of other places that you notice that contributes to this dilemma? Yes, um, a, a lot of it is actually associated with cultures. And uh, some of the cultures that we see more uh, them to be patriarchal and be more male dominant. You know, there were uh, researches and studies done that they actually compared women and men uh, from Israel and Germany and United States of America and and so on. And a lot of this kind of male-dominant cultures, uh, you see this split between either a woman should be pure nurturing role or person, or it would be uh, someone very sexual and attractive and, and that kind of thing goes mostly for these kind of cultures that they are male dominant and they, they want to have this. You know, I, I, I want to have my wife to be a very good wife, a nurturing wife, take care of my kids, but I want to have my sexuality satisfied somewhere else with someone else. And actually then we see a lot of like cheatings happening. Even in that couple that I was giving you as an example, the problem was that the woman was clearly afraid that the, her husband um, might might be cheating. And she was suspicious that sometimes my, my, my husband is not coming home on time when I'm trying to reach out to him. He's not available. And, you know, the distance is clear. So I, I would say, you know, a lot of it has to do with cultures and how these cultures are set up. And then we see more men that they allow themselves to have this view of, you know, my, my wife should be like my mother and uh, take care of the household and take care of everybody. But then I'm not going to have sex with this person because then she's like my mother. She's like my maid, let's say. And, and I want to have that satisfaction with someone who knows how to satisfy me, how to do it in bed, how to take care of me. And then we see a lot of uh, couples issues right there. But I honestly say, you know, uh, this culture and the stereotypes in cultures you know, men and women roles, how they're going to be acting, you know, how the person is going to be. But to be honest with you, I would see this in, in women as well, how they look at their man as someone who is a provider, someone who just goes and, and works out. And then they see someone else as a, as a man, a younger man who is a bodybuilder and takes care of his hygiene very well. And they kind of get sexually attracted to that kind of a man than their own husband that is a provider a good father for their children and but you know might might gain some weight here and there and might be sweaty some days so we we see these in two two ways but this this complex is more seen in the cultures that they are male dominant i agree with you and i see it a lot in so part of my practice i see people from middle eastern background i'm i'm iranian mm-hmm. american as well and it's interesting that sometimes even with couples who are coming from a more conservative kind of background, they share with me that there is this dichotomy of, I want to have great sex. I want, I want to have adventure in bed, but I don't want my wife that's who's kind of like take care of the house, who's going to be kind of like, I, I want her to be pure, to mm-hmm. show up that way in the bedroom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that can be very confusing. Like if, you're, if you are in a monogamous relationship and you want to mm-hmm. have exciting sex, 
sex? And how is it possible that you don't want your partner to do things that are exciting or kind of present things that might be different than kind of like the image that you want to have from her outside the bedroom? Well, uh, to be honest with you, this, um, this is very interesting. And actually, it caught my attention a long time ago in, in private practice. Uh, when I was talking to a lady, um, a Middle Eastern lady who was cheating on her husband, and she was telling me that with my husband, I'm not sexual at all. I don't want any sexual activity or doing anything. He wants me to change positions or do this and that, but I, I'm not in the mood with him. However, when she got into kind of um, an, an outside a relationship outside of her marriage, then she became all of a sudden that person in bed, enjoying everything and coming up with different positions and be so creative in bed and she was telling me that she enjoys this uh, there was this application that she could uh, later on find people and and even fly to another city and 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 sleep with that person and and enjoy so i kind of asked her what is it what is it that you uh, don't enjoy this with your husband she was like from the beginning we never established a healthy sexual life with each other because the woman is was telling me that i was afraid if my husband starts to ask me where did you learn this from who did you do this before you know that kind of question so uh, she didn't want that kind of view by her husband therefore she did not do anything she did not explore the sexuality she did not show her desire do anything in bed therefore uh, slowly you know it just got more distant and distant and distant so nobody expected anybody else the husband uh, later on I spoke with husband as well the husband did not know about this in her the, the husband was like I, I always thought my wife doesn't like sex just doesn't like sex and I was like okay in our culture you know women are more protected they've been told by their parents you have to protect yourself your virginity and so on and so forth so this guilt associated with sex, you know, culturally, and I, and I do see that. Yeah, I mean, there is some value to it. But more of it was the fact that the, the wife did not want to be judged by the husband as that whore, you know, wanted just to be seen by her husband as the Madonna, as a nurturer, as a wonderful, great lady who can bring children and take care of them so wonderfully. But she had it in herself. She had that sexuality herself. That was the reason she actually looked for it somewhere else outside of the marriage. And I think this is a disaster. I think this is absolutely not acceptable because these two people, they could have had such a wonderful life together, such a wonderful sexuality experiences together. However, they just lost it because of this fear of the judgment of how my man is going to view me as a whore in bed. And she didn't want that. However, she was totally able to do it with someone else. What an interesting presentation and what an interesting couple and kind of this story that they had. And you're right that it's partly, I see it from both sides, this internalized shame around sex and this internalized view that we have about what is it to be, uh, what does it mean to be a woman or a wife and what does it mean to be a man? And then even at times, so even maybe our partner doesn't have that judgment about about the wife, but because 
the wife has this internalized messages. There's something that gets in the way of them expressing their sexuality in the bedroom and kind of feeling that, okay, if I show up this way, then my partner might see me in a different light. And what a disservice we're doing as a kind of like teaching our kids about the sex negative messages, because these things play out in a relationship, because some of the strategies that some parents have, they think about, okay, if I talk about sex in a kind of negative way and scare my kid, then they're going to remain abstinent. And as soon as they get married, then we can talk about positive things around sex, but it's not going to work that way. It's not that easy with signing a paper. Your mentality completely changes. And you're right that then people find themselves in these situations that are kind of hopeless that, okay, I'm a sexual being. Everyone is want to have fulfilling. Most people want to have fulfilling sex life, but then that is not something that I feel comfortable to can bring into my marriage. So what should I do with it? Then sometimes people seek out either kind of like secondary relationships or try to suppress their sexuality and can cause tons of different challenges. It has part of its culture. It's interesting. I see it as a generational aspect as well that I have older adult couples that coming into my practice and they tell me like, you know, like 30, 40 years ago when my wife had a child and that was the end of our sex life because I couldn't be able, I wasn't able to have sex uh, with my wife in the same way and then I wasn't able to see her in, in that light. So tell us, is this a complex that can be cured and addressed or we all are doomed? <laughs> well, um, I, I, I totally believe there is a cure about this and um, people and men and women or couples, they can find out, they can realize that this this idea in their mind that has been shaped that a woman either needs to be a really good or a really bad person that that is wrong i mean i always look at the uh, the 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 pyramid of the needs by abraham maslow and we see the sexuality showing up in two totally different areas there one is in the physiological need that every person needs that sex to be able to actually manage their stress and their hormonal needs and so on and so forth. So physiologically, everybody needs to have that. But then it shows also in the section that talks about belonging and intimacy. So over there, there is no need for that physiological need. Over there is more of the intimacy and how two people can feel that they belong to each other. And it's like a glue that can keep them together and even day by day make it stronger. So this is really interesting how this sex and sexuality can help everybody to not only stay healthy physiologically, but also mentally in their relationship, they can do wonderful. So not necessarily needs this view of either a person is quite sexual or no, nothing at all. It's just the the role of being the father or the mother and needs to do that. So I think a lot of it goes back to the person. So I, I highly recommend this to couples that when they are married and they are living together. They got to be careful about the fact that they don't get into just one role to be the best father or the best mother and do their mothering job. They also have this responsibility to themselves to make sure that they do satisfy their desires, their sexuality, their health, and everything that goes back to them. And by doing that, they can also make sure their partner is healthy and satisfied 
satisfied and they reach that orgasm that everybody needs. If they want to do that, they have to take care of themselves. They have to be careful about their hygiene and how they look and the weight they, they're going to gain or not. And things that, you know, they are more important, first of all, for themselves. And second, they are important for their partners. So, you know, by doing that, the partner can find out if in, in this case, if it's a man, let's say in this Madonna whore complex we're talking about, the man can find out, no, actually, I can see my wife to be a mother and do the mothering jobs and tasks at the same time can be a wonderful sexual partner with me in the bed. And we don't need to split this. We don't need to make uh, make it into two things of the love or lust. I mean, uh, the love is when you respect someone, when you, uh, you know, adore someone, but the lust is when you are just thinking about that person uh, as an object and, and, and a sexual object. No, we can do both these. They can happen together if we make sure that we do, you know, encourage each other for um, having those uh, sexualities and having them in our routine, uh, let's say, by setting up the date that we're going to do this or putting each other in the mood for it, kind of being promiscuous together and be sexual together. So I think it's, um, it's possible, but the importance is that in relationship, couples need to uh, realize that soon enough and get into a therapy and into a relationship therapy or CSX therapist that can help them with managing all of these and being able to, you know, take care of it before it's kind of too late, too late in the fact that, you know, we don't want them to lose this. We don't want them to start cheating and, and find another partner to, to, to make love with. Right. And that can make things super complicated as well. And I, I'm, I agree with you. And I love that you talked about kind of like creating this routine and ritual when it comes to sex, because one of the misconceptions that people have is that like sex needs to be spontaneous. And if it's not spontaneous, then mm-hmm. uh, it's not a good enough sex. But if you have mm-hmm. kids, if you have other demands in your schedule, if you are not scheduling things, if you don't have this ritual, then sex become a, less of a priority. Just at, at times, even because of logistic aspect of things, you want to make sure you have childcare, you want to make sure you have the good you are in a good mental space. So uh, kind of like even in your mind, prioritizing sex is very, very important. The other thing that you mentioned, that kind of taking ownership of your sexuality, kind of thinking about what can I do to uh, make sure I am desirable and I'm connected Mm -hmm. to my erotic energy. Because sometimes we are kind of thinking about sex as something that like, you know, my partner needs to make me feel a certain way. And if I don't feel a certain way, it's their responsibility. But you Mm -hmm. are responsible responsible for your sexual uh, needs and kind of like showing up kind of as a sexual being. And I think also it's okay to objectify your partner because I think part of sexual exchange is that you are entering different realm of connecting with your partner and there's going to be some selfishness and objectification and there is nothing wrong with that. Exactly. You know, um, it's, it's a natural part of everybody's life and sexual life and relationship. And knowing this is, is very important for everybody. So in case if it is lacking, then they have to say, 
you know, what's wrong and we have to find a solution for that because it's not okay. It's not normal for couples not to have their sex life enjoyable together for any, any reason that, you know, I'm stressed out. I have to, I have to take care of kids. You know, I've, I've been, I've been asking uh, my couples about like, how is sex? And sometimes they say, well, you know, our sex is some other ways, you know, sometimes we cuddle, but uh, if, if we have time, we cuddle. Uh, okay, cuddling is good, but it's not enough because you guys are more into that nurturing role, apparently. And, and that's not okay because you have to actually be able to uh, make love together and, and experience sexuality quite uh, in, a, in a lengthy time, let's say. And oftentimes I've seen this when I have recommended to them to have this ritual and to have this kind of set day or time. It, it has worked very well. You know why? Because when they are getting close to that time, they put themselves in the mood. They take care of themselves. They take shower. They, you know, they start kind of getting sexual before it. And um, that, that helps a lot because otherwise they are so involved and engaged in the daily tasks and, and responsibilities that they don't have time or even the, you know, the, the readiness of getting into bed together. But when they have that ritual, whatever time, I oftentimes ask each of them, you know, you're a morning person or night, which one of you guys like it, then do it in, at nighttime better and so on. So oftentimes we try to either, if they, if they both agree on one thing, then so much the better. If not, then we have to rotate that. So um, I've seen I've seen that works a lot. And also, I really tell my couples that you guys should stop being mothering or fathering or parenting each other in any way. Let Treat them as your lover. Treat them as your sex partner more than their parent. That do. Okay, have you eaten, honey? Have you, you know, um, got your medication? Or I have to make a doctor appointment for you. No, this is like the, the parent job, not, not a lover job. And then, yeah. Yes, if we do that, then that Madonna role comes into play. Than, than, the, than the, you know, sexual partner, than the lover. I oftentimes tell people that stop being their parent and just be the lover, just be the husband or just be the wife. You don't have to do things that their mother used to do for them. So it is important also for them to know this. And as a, as a cure, if I want to say, in couples and relationships, you know, this, this helps to make sure that a person doesn't need to be just a whore or a Madonna. No, they can be both. And uh, someone can be lovable and respectable at the same time can be very sexually satisfying in bed. I think that's the, all those things that you said are so important. I think the other kind of thing that I wanted to emphasize that you mentioned that kind of bringing the awareness and in your interaction with your partner that even sometimes in the bed and kind of like a lover to lover interaction, people kind of switch to be a caregiver kind of think of asking hundred times, is this okay? Are you okay? Is, is everything okay? So, and that can kill the mood and, yeah. or you're begging 
begging and begging like a child for sex. And then at the end of the day, the partner is like, okay, like whatever. And then they're having sex. And that's not a lover to lover interaction. So it's important to kind of paying attention to the, those patterns that kind of shows up in your relationship and kind of thinking about how can I change it and connect at times as lover to lover with my partner. The other part of it is if you're not attracted to your partner, like once you are attracted and now that you, that the person is kind of uh, is a mother or like you're in a long-term relationship, the attraction is gone. It's helpful to kind of paying attention to the dialogue in, in your mind that what are some of the conversation that comes up in your, in your mind that gets in the way of you being attracted to your partner? Is it about how you see them? Is it about you? Is it about the relationship? So it's very helpful if you're approaching it with curiosity versus kind of getting in the, in the shaming phase, for it, like shaming toward yourself or blaming your partner. Well, that, that, that's absolutely true because a lot of the conversations that can happen before and during or even after sex, um, you know, it sticks with people and it's going gonna, it's gonna to stay with them and later on they're going to think about it and they're going to kind of go and, and, and judge the whole performance thing, how they did and how uh, they are able to do because everybody wants to, you know, make sure that they are competent and they are able and they are uh, lovable and they are doing it in a, in a right way. But at the same time, you know, you said it really well, you know, when, when people are so much into the fact that make sure the other partner is very doing good and is satisfied and so on, again, it gets into a, a motherly uh, role, which um, it, it can be disastrous um, and, and kills, kills the sex and sexuality and the desires that are there. Uh, one thing that comes to my mind that I think it's important for the parents is that either uh, moms or, or dads, they really need to make sure they are consistent with their children. Being so up or down, being zero or hundred, I mean, I'm, I'm one minute so loving and caring for you, another minute I'm a monster here that I'm about to physically discipline you and, and throw you out of home and do this and that. These inconsistencies, they can actually make a lot of complexes in their children and, and how Freud looked at it, even sexually, can put them into either this or that, which in a lot of cases is not the case. It could be and. But I really encourage parents to, to, to make sure that they're giving love and love for their children is consistent and is not conditional. Because if it is conditional, if that condition changes, then the love goes out the window. And they're going to generalize this for the entire life and, you know, uh, even in their sexuality and, and, and the view they have for their partners. I think it, it's going to be a disaster if that happens. And then, yes. So there is a reality into this Madonna horror complex. And I think it is, we can, we can all kind of uh, see it happening in a lot of families and in a lot of, lot of couples. However, uh, we don't want to underestimate the fact that also cultures, how the, how the public views a person, a, a lady, how they dress up and how their body is shaped, you know, that has a lot to do with this too. You know, you can, you can view a, a lady with, uh, with uh, bigger uh, body parts uh, and, and bigger hips 
hips and so on as a as a person who can be more sexual when a lady who is more masculine as uh, a Madonna. Uh, so um, that has a role as well in, in how these things are being shaped. And we have to be really careful as, as part of our community in the society, how we promote that and how we teach our kids how to view people but their, by their uh, body uh, shape or by their gender and, and so on. Uh, I think all of these uh, kind of factors, uh, they are important how people can be satisfied in their relationship, marriage, or in their sex life. Well, I, I'm glad that you mentioned about kind of parenting piece as well. So there is twofold to this, that if this is something that you're noticing in our relationship, this complex, you can certainly work on it with kind of changing the context, changing the pattern, or perhaps with uh, seeking help from therapists, sex therapists, that can help you to have a better understanding of this and change the pattern, but also you have power over correcting that in a sense in a future generation and helping the kids to have a better relationship and more integrated sense of uh, sexuality and human uh, kind of different aspects of people's life and personality. So I'm so glad you brought that up. Uh, Dr. Ralph, I can talk to you for hours about this thing. I know that you are very knowledgeable and you have lots of good information. So please tell us if our listeners, they want to get a hold of you, what are some of the places that they can find your information? Well, the best is my website, uh, mylastname.com, which is R-A-O-O-F-I, Raufi.com. And in the contact page, it has my uh, list of the social media that I'm on. So I, um, I can be reached uh, by uh, the, right there from that message section or any of the social media. I'm, I'm, I try to be active on social media because a part of us as psychologists, as a therapist, is that we are human beings and we have our own families and we have our own you know, sports or uh, entertainment, hobbies, whatever we do. So I kind of uh, like to be more out there as a, as a human being rather than as a professional psychologist and, and so on. And then I, I realized that my clients, they actually, you know, they, they can connect more. So that's why I'm more on the social media. Uh, you know, I have that presence. It's not just professional. It's not unprofessional either, but you know, I would, I would think that, you know, people would appreciate seeing a, a therapist or their psychologist as a, as a human being, as a real person. Therefore, yes, so the website is the best. I have an email account, uh, therapy at gmx.com. I often check that email and I respond to them to my emails pretty quick. And that would be the best uh, contact way. Thank you so much for sharing those uh, information. I think you have a fantastic website and also also your social media account. I know I follow you on all social media accounts and you you do tons of media appearances and it's a balance of your uh, speaking engagement and also uh, your interests and hobbies, which I think is fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. It was lovely to talk to you about this topic and I hope you have a great day. Thank you.
I hope you found the information useful. I know that this is a split that many people are feeling stuck in and they want to remain in the relationship, but they feel sexually distanced from their partner because of this split. So I hope that if that is something you're struggling with, uh, you take some steps to address it. Also, I wanted to remind you that I'm doing this listener survey this month. So if you take it, take only five minutes. And I really want to hear what you're interested in to hearing about, because I, I cover a broad range of topics. And sometimes I feel I don't exactly know what would be a good fit for specifically your needs. So this is your opportunity to give me some feedback. And if you're interested, you can put your email down and you'll be entered to win a $100 Amazon gift card. All right. I'll talk to you guys soon. Thanks for listening to Sexology Podcast. For more great content, visit www.sexologypodcast.com. Please be advised that information presented on this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health provider.